Well, good morning, everybody. You glad to be here? How many is hungry this morning? You hungry this morning? Well, let me let me just tell you, I'm going to give you some food today, okay? And I, I promise you, it'll 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 keep you till you can get to your till you can get till we till till you got it. I play with them sometimes. <clears throat> it'll keep you till you get to your roast or your steak or whatever it is you're gonna have this morning. Well, praise the Lord. I am so glad for the Lord. I tell you, <clears throat> I've often said it, and kind of one of my cliches is this, that I'm just addicted to the presence of God. I, there isn't anything that satisfies more than being in the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, if you have not experienced that, what's that? It is the presence of the Lord. There's something that happens. I'm not everybody's going to see it. I, I, I've, I've been in services where one person sitting next to another person, and one of them, they just experience something that words can't tell, and they get excited. And the person sitting right next to them, they, they, don't, they don't exactly know what's going on. Amen. We have to have our ears in tune to what God is doing. I believe that with all my heart. This morning I'm going to be speaking on the bread of life. Uh, I need you to keep up with me if you, if you would. Uh, turn with me to the book of John, the sixth chapter. To me, this is probably one of the most important uh, teachings that the Lord had done. I, I don't believe it was for the novice or the person or the or people that had just come to the Lord. I think the Lord was trying to take the people to a little bit higher level, let them understand some things that were not basic, but had some real meat, so to speak, uh, in regard to what Jesus was saying. Uh, I think I'm going to probably read quite a few scriptures, so if you would, wouldn't mind uh, keeping up with me. I'm going to start in verse 26. Uh, and it says this, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you have saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Everybody underline that, filled. Okay, somebody got another version than the new King James or the King James. It possibly could have another word there, but I want to deal with that portion that says they were filled. It means they've ever been filled. Have you ever gone to a a buffet or some place that you just went back and went. I see some some hands this morning, <clears throat> and you just went back and back and back and back, and you finally got all you could take, and then you didn't know if you could actually get the dessert. Amen. All right, George. Okay. <clears throat> but one thing in regard to this is 
a very important lesson that Jesus was trying to teach. Just before this, we have the feeding of the 5,000. And it came to the place, and the story goes like this, that they were way out in a desert portion where it was dry, there was not too much out there, and it was a little ways to the nearest uh, place that people could eat, even if they could, because when you have around 5,000 people, it's not exactly going up to McDonald's and pull into the car line, would you? Or uh, Kentucky, or uh, Chick-fil-A, and I don't know anybody that's ever pulled into Chick-fil-A and had to wait in line, and people wouldn't even see what they wanted to eat till they got up there to the menu and then you have to wait patiently for the other ones to merge into the lane to get around the corner to get up to the window to, to pick it up and it can sometimes it can be very frustrating we become very frustrated when we're hungry I, when I when I get hungry people should not be around me because there's no telling what I'm going to do I can I can get on people's nerves I, I can get Who's, Rick, did you, was that you? Oh, okay. But I, I, can, I, can, I can get, I can get, uh, I know nobody in here believes that, but I can get irritable. And, and I, when I get hungry, I want to eat. I don't want to wait an hour or something like that. I want to eat. And uh, you, that's one thing about food. I never will forget a number of years ago. Uh, it was right after I, I was evangelizing, and I, I'd been out of I'd been out of Bible college for about six months and evangelizing. I was on a fast from food, and because uh, I didn't have cell phones in those days, so I couldn't fast from cell phone. And uh, so I, I was up preaching, and th there's times that this has happened that it's like I'm having an out of body experience and listening to myself. And I know some of you. Never mind. And I, as I was doing it, I had one of these handheld mics like this. And I got to looking at that, and I was trying to listen to myself preach. I looked at that, and I was like, man, that looks like a hot dog. Oh, some of you got it, some of you didn't. But, but everything, everything starts, when I, when I used to go through fast, everything started to look like food. You know, it really, really it did. And that was it's always been the hardest thing for me is to fast from food. I can fast from almost anything else. Uh, but food is is very hard for me to fast from. It's it's like I can stand up here preaching this morning if there was a door open, I would smell somebody cooking food within at least a mile from here. I mean the the aroma, the odor would just get to me and and, and you can talk about it, and people can get hungry just when you talk about savoring the ribeye steak that is cooked exactly the way that you want and maybe put some Uncle Bob on it to uh, 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 make the food maybe taste better. You, you, can, you can imagine this, and you can imagine that food. You can imagine going down to uh, one of the buffet places and, and sensing, as I'm preaching here, you're uh, sensing that catfish down at at uh, Brooksy's or the or the uh, whatever it is down there my favorite food at Brooksy's is the green beans I never tasted green beans like Brooksy had because I guess they cook it in pork fat but all these things that taste so good and it's not healthy for you anything like that and 
going on from here so I can get into my message <clears throat> is that hunger can do a lot and affect people in a tremendous way. It's, it's almost like every December, when December rolls around, and it, it, besides the commercials in regard to what to purchase and the games and all these things, we have these people that comes on and makes these commercials about giving. Does anybody ever remember those? And especially in regard to uh, hunger uh, that is worldwide. And they'll show these moving pictures uh, in black and white because they have a tendency to draw people more than they do color. And they, they, they show these kids that are starving and hungry and UNICEF comes on and say, would you, would you please uh, uh, give to this so a kid won't go hunger or anything like that. And before Christmas gets there, you're almost aggravated. You've seen so many of those commercials that is on there. But hunger is a big part of what is going on today in our world. And it's unique, I find, that Jesus uses this as an illustration. And let, let's get into some of it right here. First of all, just before what Jesus is, is fixing to do here, there was the feeding of the 5,000. And you know, you, you, you probably heard the story. Uh, I know at least three times uh, Pastor Jeremy has preached this in the last couple of years or, or alluded to it in some way or fashion or other. And that is there's a huge crowd that was there, around 5,000 people. He had them to sit down, and, and he asked, he uh, wound up, uh, one of the disciples said, well, the only thing that we have here is a young lad, and he's got a, uh, a few fishes and a few uh, loaves of bread, and that's all that we have. And it seemed as though uh, they, uh, this, was, uh, this was just so over-imagined, over, uh, so to speak, that what this little lad had could meet the need of even a couple of people, or less 5,000 people. And so it says that Jesus blessed it, and he gave it out, and he kind of divided up how you divide a couple of fishes up between 12 of the disciples, you know, and they're just as hungry as the rest of them are probably. And, and they, they set about uh, uh, breaking it and giving it out. And every, uh, I, that's one of the things, of all the things that happened in the Bible, New Testament, that is one thing that I would like to have seen has been able to go with just one of the disciples and watch them as they broke the bread. And it just seemed like now I've been breaking this bread and it just keeps, you know, growing like Pinocchio's nose. It just seemed like there's no end of it. Look at this, look at this, look at this. And the fish, he kind of broke the fish. And the time he looked back down, the fish was the same size almost. And he was wondering, how is this possible? How is it possible? to take care of the hunger of these people that are there. And you have to understand that there's a dual purpose to this story. Not only is it a, not only is it a, a situation that happened and the need of the people was met, but there's a spiritual connection here that I think sometimes we really miss. Now, let, let's go on down and read that again in verse 26. Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now you'd almost, you'd almost sense here, what is he talking about? You should have been really impressed in seeing what took place. But it said, 
it says here, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Wow. Now this is a perception. This is not something, this is not something that you see in the natural. Oh, you see how that, that, the, that the loaves and the fish met the needs of the people. So what's Jesus saying? He recognized something in his disciples that all the rest of the people that were there that day did not see. Hear me now. It's possible to see a miracle and see signs and wonders and not understand the root of the whole thing that God is trying to cause to happen in the people. So Jesus has already recognized. He said, you seek me not because of those of the loaves of the fishes, but you seek me because it filled you. That need that was in you had been satisfied. I don't know about you, but I am, there is a natural hunger. How many knows that? How many has never been hungry? No, you, you've been hungry. You don't really That's one of those trick questions. We can tell by looking at you, you've never been hungry. That's right. But there was something. There was something about what Jesus was trying to get over to his disciples as well as everybody else. How does 5,000 people partake of a miracle and never see the purpose of it? Nobody has said, how do you come and... How do you come with this kind of a conclusion? Well, we're going to we're going to let you read the rest of the chapter here, and you're going to be able to understand there is so much depth in the sixth chapter of the book of John that it cannot be understood without spiritual enlightenment, because it was more than feeding five thousand people. You say, how can that possibly be? That is a tremendous miracle. That is not necessarily what Jesus wanted them to see. And then he goes on here and he gives this discourse. And to me, one of the most important discourses up to this time that has taken place. After all, John was the one that leaned on Jesus. He was a young person. He was probably the youngest of all the disciples. And he saw something in this that, and the rest of the disciples, evidently by what Jesus referred to, they saw something that the other 5,000 did not see. And verse 27, it says, Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Actually speaking of himself. What is he talking about is there something beyond this natural loaves of bread that was important to grasp was there something more in this bread after all he, he is going to say when we get on down in the scripture there he, he, he is going to say this for I am the bread of life the disciples started saying to him well what sign or what what, what is going to be the sign that you're going to do this and said our, 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 our fathers uh, uh, we, ate, we ate manna which is something which would be something like like bread or something like that and, uh, and that was tremendous but Jesus turns around and said says this verse 35 
I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. What? So there's a hunger. When we talk about hunger and we talk about it in the natural, we think of food that we're going to consume and, 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 and it's, going to, it's going to make us feel better and we're going to be able to work better, okay? But what Jesus is talking about here is not natural food. It is the bread that Christ gives. He said, if you eat of this bread, you'll never hunger. He said, it will bring everlasting life. Does it not? So there is something here. There is a there is a hunger that is in man that natural food cannot meet the criteria. In other words, you'll always be hungry. It's always perpetual. You're always throughout your life from the time that you scream your first time to the time you take your last breath. One of the things that you're going to have to consume is food, right? Agreement here? Amen. You're going to have to. Now, some of you might have smiles on your face, and you're probably thin, and those that are like me, you have to be a little bit more concerned about what you, what you, what you eat because that is something that the natural body craves, right? You crave? How many of you craving a T-bone steak right now? I mean, or a ribeye or, you know big old batch of catfish, you know, can you smell it? I mean, can you smell a, a fish cooking and frying? It comes up. And I don't know who's cooking around this morning, but I can smell it in my nose. It, it smells, it smells so good. And it produces, the smell can produce even a hunger. Right? And, and how does that smell affect you? It affects you by your memory. Oh, that last batch of catfish was so good I, I can think about it and I can remember and I actually can smell it when I think about it have you eaten something quite like that I mean you know some of you don't know if we're the answer to that or not but it can cause you to just have hunger pains by remembering a good meal you had there it is so you can remember that, the, and it's unique that Jesus uses this. He said, I am the bread of life. Oh, wow. This, this just really sets me up here because he is saying here in the, sixth, in the sixth chapter, he's saying, for I am the bread of life. My Father sent you that bread that took care of you for a while, but now my Father has sent me that once you take of me, you'll never hunger again manna that came down was only fresh for that day you had to come, it had to come back the next morning and go out and get just enough for you and the family to eat that day except for the weekend when there was enough that they they were able to take care of it till till the next weekend the next the next week okay but it always came down fresh and you know what there, there is a reason that that takes place. It has to be fresh. It has to be. It has to be fresh. You know, I, I get. I get to thinking one of the one of the earliest memories I, I I have of my dad is wringing a chicken's neck. The other 
thing that I remember is mother cooking bread. Now, some of you all of a sudden got that image in your in your mind, you know, my my dad getting we get too poor to have an axe, so he had to you know he'd swore it in the rounds so of the neck was connect disconnected from the from the head, you know. And because dad would always go out and not have a shirt on. He'd had some old clothes on when he would do that. He'd pick up that hen, go over and pick up that hen, and he'd walk around a little bit doing it like this. And probably probably five years old, and it's still in my memory, you know, and that head, that, that neck come off in his hand. And that, and you know what? I got my first sermon. I literally got my first sermon. I can remember that in my mind. That hen didn't have a head on it. It had to have been dead. But it was still running around. And that's where we got our first cliche. And that, for me, that was, uh, he's dead and he don't even know it. You know, a oh, hen running around, his head cut off, he's dead. And he's still acting like he's alive. And he doesn't know it. There is something about hunger that you have in your DNA. Number one, you have to have natural food to sustain you. But I'm telling you, there is another hunger that is definitely more important than you sitting down and having a steak. And it's called spiritual hunger. There is, there, till that is taken care of, you are going to be like that little hen. You're going to be dead and don't even know it. You're going to run around with your head cut off and you're still going to react for a certain length of time. But let me tell you something. This hunger that I'm talking about cannot be satisfied by any type of natural food. It has got to be taken care of by spiritual food. And this was what Jesus set those 5,000 people up for to see if they could see the necessities that there was more than just food for them to eat. Now, going back, and I, I begin to see that Jesus, here in the sixth chapter, in his letter verses, he, he began to talk about he was the bread of life. Let's, let's talk about that for a few moments here. I, I, I find it very unique that, that the Lord uses the loaves of bread. I find it very unique because there is a deep truth that is in this. Uh, it goes through the scriptures here in the sixth chapter and talks about this this bread. He talks about the necessities for it. He talks about it, it in a way that you know that he's not talking about it in the natural. He's talking about something that is spiritual that will meet your need. Let me tell you something. You can sit down. One of the things, and I, I was telling one of the things that I can eat a lot of, and in 30 minutes I'm ready for something else, is Chinese food. I don't know if anybody else is like that. I can sit down and have a and gorge on, on Chinese food, and I can eat, and I can eat, and I can handle it better than most of y'all can. I like my food, and and I can sit down there and I can eat it. I don't care what it is, you know, you know if it's squid or even that or raw fish makes no difference. I like food. Somebody ought to make a commercial. Got food. And, and, and so I'm going to pack that away. Let 
then I can sit back, and by the time I get home, I'm ready for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It just doesn't satisfy. Didn't Jesus talk about that? Here in the 35th verse, and our, our, uh, uh, on up here, he talks about why do, why do, we, why do we eat things that will perish and doesn't satisfy us and these kind of things? Isn't there something in this? And Jesus is telling them, I am the bread of life. And just before that, Jesus broke the, br broke the bread, prayed over it, and fed 5,000 people. It looked like the sufficiency of that bread had been touched by the supernatural, and the natural bread that had been touched by the supernatural could take care of the quality, quantity of the people that is out there. Hello. Now, if you would, kind of go back with me to the book of Ruth, the first chapter. I think it's around the uh, verse 6. It talks about the story of Ruth. How many ever read about the story of Ruth? Very unique. I, you almost, when you start reading it, you almost can't put it down because it, it is a love story and, 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 and other things in regard to it. But I want to look at, the I want to look at verse 6. <clears throat> and it says this, Then she arose with her daughter-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. Now, the, the story is there was a famine in, in, in Judah. Bad famine. People were, were dying. And Naomi's husband decided to get up and go somewhere else. Listen to me now. Get up and go somewhere else. It was his decision. God. It doesn't say that God told him to do that. But he made up his own mind that he would that he would pack up the family, uh, the boys and his wife, and go to Moab. I find that very unique, because the deal is, Moab was not something that that you necessarily would go with, because Moab had always been an enemy of God's people, and this all goes back to Moab. Actually, was was. Uh, <coughs> Moab was actually a descendant of Lot's relationship with his daughter. So the two girls that that's left with her dad after mom got killed, turned into a pillar of salt, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, all that took place, and then Lot went out, went up into a cave, and, and so the girls thought that everybody had passed away or died in this thing, and so they decided to keep the, the family tree going, so to speak. They'll just go in, get their dad, get Lot uh, all juiced up on, on, on wine or something and go in and have a sexual relationship with their father. One night, one girl, the next night, the other one. You know what? That's the last time you hear of them. The thing is, you do hear about their children. One of the, one of the girls, her son was Ammon, and the other one was Moab. So you've got Ammon, which was the progenitor of the, of, of the Amorites, and you have the other one, which was Moab, which, which was the progenitor of those that lived in Moab. And both of these descendants were not happy with the children of Israel, or the Hebrew people, coming back in. And they probably were not happy when an Israelite came into their land and wanted to eat. Now, that, that being said, then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, uh, 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 the husband died. And then the two boys had married two girls, one Oprah, uh, Oprah and the 
not the one that's on television, uh, but her name was Oprah, and the other one was Ruth. And so the thing be is, what are we going to do? Now, they left Judah, they, and the town that they were from was Bethlehem. And let's do a little history here. Bethlehem was right in the center of where they grew wheat. Because, you know, Boab, Boaz, when Ruth came in, they let, they let Ruth go out there and gleam in the field because she was a widow. And so this was a center for agriculture at that time. And they grew wheat. Uh, I just find it very interesting. But there came a time when Naomi's husband, because of all of the famine that was there, there was no more wheat being grown, no more wheat being harvested, no more food on the table. What are we going to do? We, we, we've got to live. We, we've got to have food in our life. And so they pack up their bags and they go, and then their boy is married, these two girls. But there was something that was very unique in, in what took place in verse Ruth, the book of Ruth, first chapter and verse 6. Then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. Now, underline this next portion. For she had heard, okay, she had heard in the country of Moab. In other words, being in Moab, she had heard this, that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Now, it was the understanding in that time that famine was a byproduct of sin. Just the way it was. Famine was a byproduct of sin. Now, because of the famine that was there, they left. It just so happens that Bethlehem, one of the sinners for the harvest of wheat, uh, uh, just about the time of Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur, which is a, which is a feast of, which is a feast of atonement, happens in September, and at this time there was harvesting going on. Ruth and Naomi headed back because they had heard that the fields around Bethlehem was no longer in famine, but there was wheat. It's unique in regard to this because Bethlehem means the city of bread. Whew. The city of bread. When Naomi and Ruth heard that God had blessed them. Come on now. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. When she heard no longer was there no more bread in her hometown, in, in Naomi's hometown, but there was wheat being harvested and produced, and they, they knew the famine was over, and they were going to return to the city of bread, Bethlehem. Where was Jesus born? Was he born in Bethlehem? Was he born in the city of bread? You see, the, you see the coming together of a truth here? Bethlehem was a city of bread. Jesus was born 
in Bethlehem. And now he turns to the sixth chapter of the book of John and he said, For I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you'll never hunger again. Wow. The value of wheat has been around, oh, clear back uh, 17,000, 15, a little conservative here, 15,000. BC. It's been around that long. Do you realize it wasn't until 1777, the year right after we become, let England know, it was in 1777 that the first wheat was planted? Just a little sidebar there I found interesting that as we become a nation, we become a breadbasket also. Come on now. It, it is said that if it really came to, to it, the United States could produce 50% of the food that it would take for our hunger to go away in the world. Wheat is very important. It's always been important. I mean, um, it, it, is says, it says this. A bushel of wheat weighs around, about 60 pounds and yields uh, in regard to uh, white bread it, re, it uh, yields 42 pounds but it would produce 60 pounds of wheat bread in flour so my question was when I was thinking this why does it lose its potential if you've got 60 pounds of wheat per bushel figure this now you 60 pounds of wheat per bushel but out of that 60 pounds, only 42 of it can produce white bread. But whole wheat bread, it's one-on-one. -on -one. The value of wheat bread in the diet of Americans is one of the most important things. It has the highest value for the human consumption. Wheat is almost on everything we eat. A kernel of wheat seed. There are about 50 kernels in the head of a wheat and 15,000 to 17 kernels in a pound. Wheat is in almost everything that you eat. Eat a biscuit, it's got wheat in it. Eat flatbread, it's got wheat in it. You got, you got, a, you got a, a, a special K, it's got wheat in it. Eat. All the cereals have wheat in it. It is the most valued stability in regard to your diet that you can possibly have. The thing in regard to it is this. Wheat is in almost everything you touch that is consumable. In other words, you can take it in as intake. It's that valuable. It is no wonder. It is, it is no wonder that Jesus used the illustration in regard to wheat. I think back after I've read this and that I just read the rest of the chapter and verse and, and chapter 6. Jesus took that bread. He was giving them, spiritually speaking, 
he was giving them all 5,000 of them in spiritual understanding a piece of himself. Supernaturally, Jesus prayed and it transformed that bread into a miracle. Jesus is teaching us that he is sufficient for every situation in your life. I used to have a problem. Dad would say this. I said, Dad, what's, what's, the, what, what you, what, uh, what's the answer to this? He said, prayer. I said, prayer. I said, and, you know, after a long period of time, I said, Dad, your answer to every, every situation is always prayer. He said, yeah. I said, but don't you? He said, no. All you need is prayer. Think about it. All, you, all, all I need, really, the foundational, is to pray about it. Because if you pray about it and you're sincere, God will talk with you. He will answer you and he will tell you what you need. Somebody needs to get this that when he said, when John said in the 15, or in John, I think it's uh, 15 chapter, it's talking about the Holy Ghost coming. He said, he will guide you and direct you and teach you in all things and you won't need a man to tell you these things. You say, well, can you, does that mean I can bypass? If you pray, he will answer. I mean, there's enough of scriptures, is there not? There's enough of scriptures in there. If, if my people which are will humble themselves, and call on me, I will answer them. Amen. One of the things he's, he's saying here is this. If you eat of me, and he tells them, you're going to have to eat me. You're going to have to meet, you're going to have, you have to see me as bread. You have to see me, but you have to see me as not just the son of man, but the son of God. Because seeing him as the Son of God takes a revelation and not just with your eyesight. And when you partake of him, he said, you have to. You have to, you have to drink of my blood and you have to eat of my flesh. And all they could see was the natural. All they see, could see was the cannibalistic understanding of that concept and not the spiritual side of it. That yes, he is the bread of life. But deeper, it's not just there to satisfy you in the natural. He is there to ultimately satisfy the very thing that you have to have in your life. And that is the Son of God in your life. Somebody say man, this morning. He's the bread of life. It goes on. I mean, the rest of the chapter is it begins to deal with this. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, many of them shook their head and couldn't understand that. Couldn't understand that. And couldn't understand that and couldn't understand it and it says from then on many of his followers would not follow him because all they could see was the natural and not the spiritual concept that was in you let me tell you something you can eat all day you can eat some of the best food in your life but I'll tell you just the natural you're going to be hungry in the morning 
but there is something that Jesus has and something when you partake of him and when you eat of him. and You, you know, the Old Testament says this. He told one of the prophets, uh, uh, the angel Lord told one of the prophets, says, write this down on a scroll and said, eat it. It'll be sweet to your mouth, but it'll be bitter in your stomach. I'm telling you, that's exactly what we're talking about here on a spiritual level. You can eat all you want of natural things, and it will never satisfy you. You will always have to go back to the table. But there is something that is what we call spiritual, that we eat of Him, we partake of Him, we consume Him. Everything that bread is to the natural, Jesus is to the spiritual. Jesus is to the spiritual. This morning, I won't be in a hurry. My alarm went off, tells me I've got 15 minutes. I set that on purpose because for something's going to happen this morning. We're going to be waiting on the Lord. Brethren, if you'll, the ushers, Will you get, get ready back there? Do something a little bit different. Never done this before. It's the first time. You want symbolism? We do it in communion. We have we have the bread and we have the grape juice. We partake of it. That's that's a ceremony that just come on up, stand up here, brother that we're told in the Word of God to partake of. And the reason we partake of it is to remember, it is to remember what Jesus went through, right? Come on, come on. And we're not taking communion today. I'm going to give everybody a piece of bread. You're not going to go away hungry. I know this is natural. Well, we're going to do it a little bit different. It, the purpose is not today to do communion, but this serves as a participating in an example that you remember. You, when I first got up and I started talking about imagery in regard to smelling the steak and listening to my orientation on, on eating different food, it was because you remembered those things. Maybe it was, maybe it's Mexican food, you know, maybe it, maybe it was Chinese, maybe it's Indian food. Nobody makes it better than. I, I, I don't want to say your name because I don't want to advertise you. I missed that on the food Thursday. I just want you to know that. But you remember the smell. I mean, I did, did her making and smelling that uh, uh, curry. You know, I don't particularly like the smell of curry. I've got to eat it. And when I eat it, the curry is all right. But it's a it's the imagery of that. I, I, I talk about different foods. You, you, you image that. This, this morning, we're going to give you a piece of bread. And I don't want you to think of the piece of bread. You know, uh, you know, Wonder Bread was the first bread in the United States that was that was commercialized. It was the, not, that was granddaddy of them all. Was Wonder Bread? I don't want you thinking. I don't want you thinking of Wonder Bread this morning. But I'll tell you what you can do. 
You remember the first, you remember your mom or, or or somebody in the neighborhood making bread, making fresh bread, and there was no smell like fresh bread. You go down to the bakery, you want to go in there as much as you want to go into a floor shop. You, there's just something about fresh bread that, oh, it makes me want just about any kind of food because it meets a need. Now this morning as, uh, just go on and start, everybody just grab one piece, okay? If you grab two, that doesn't mean you're going to get a double portion, okay? <laughs> but this morning when we're going we're to stand in a minute where everybody's got some bread and we're, we're going we're gonna to eat it. What I want you to do is, I want you, I want you to imagine that this is not hostess bread or, or some bread or, or something like that. I want you to think, this reminds me of what Jesus said, that he is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. As you partake that, I want, I want you to understand that, that symbolically, this is Jesus. Now, I don't believe in subtransubstantiation, but I believe that it's an image that we remember what Jesus said that, that is he is the bread of life he is the basic substance to survive whatever your need is as in the natural that bread touches everything that we consume Jesus who said I am the bread of life I'm showing you as bread is to the natural man I am even more so to the spirit man I'm the bread of life if you eat of me, you'll hunger no more. You'll, you, it, it is life eternal that you are partaking of. Now don't make a meal out on, on this, okay? But I want you to visualize this morning. Everybody, everybody got it? I want everybody to stand to your feet. I, I didn't get one. Somebody, somebody, hand, somebody bring me up. This symbolic, again, get it down in you. As this and the ingredients that are in here touches every part of what makes you live. Likewise, as Jesus said, I am the bread of life. If you eat me, if you eat of me, and you consume me, then Jesus goes, I picture Jesus goes, down inside of me and as the scripture says greater is he that is say it again in me greater is he that is in me than that which is outside of me I take him in this morning as I am going to partake he meets every need you are never alone you will always have God inside you. You'll always have the Son inside of you. You'll always have Jesus inside of you. And every time your wants and your needs and your, your heartaches and your perplexities rise, you have something inside of you 
my mind. I will not fear, for you are with me. Next week I'll go back and I'll remember partaking of this, and it's symbolic. Lord, I, I remember partaking of that and realizing like, you are everything I need. Your life has touched me, and I'll never, never, never be the same. It goes with you when you go home. And when you're not feeling good and you think some of these things are coming back on me, you say, I will not fear, for the Lord is with me. When you go home and all hell seems to break loose in you, you're concerned about your husband, you're concerned about next week, you remember today, you partook of what Jesus said. He is the bread of life, and he will sustain you. Think about it. When times comes, emergency situations will arise. Don't put your trust in your learning. Put your trust in God. And when the when the when the doctors don't know and your training does not take care of what the problem is, you trust in him. Do not fear because God is going to be with you. Come on now. Don't fear because God is with you. Don't fear because God is Larry, don't fear when it seems like the heart is not acting right. May not have happened now, but it will. Because the enemy will always try to come and sneak up on you. But don't fear. Because God is with you. You hear me? Don't fear. Because greater is he that is in me he is in me he's in you and all those things that have gone wrong but there's been those that have gone right don't fear because God is with you Richard when you're on your job and dangers all around you and the possibilities of something happen I want you to remember that. I want you to remember looking at me and that bony finger is pointing right at you. And you think, he was talking right to me. Yes. Don't fear. Because the Lord. Actually, when you're wore out, and you're wore out, and you're wearing out is worse than you're wore out. a long way from the backside of the desert of California from sin country you've come a long way don't 
because God is with you. What have I said? What have I said this morning? Don't fear. Don't fear. Everybody take breath. Father, as we do this symbolically, you said you are the bread of life. Lord, and we partake this and it goes in our mouth and we chew it over and we swallow it. Lord, let us just begin to sense that, Lord, it's more than just bread this morning, but we are consuming you today because we realize everything that we need is in you. And you said you were bread of life, and we do take of this in the natural, but understanding it's more than just a natural phenomenon. It is you that we are consuming. Let's all just take it. Thank you, Jesus. what I want you to do. If, if you're hungry for something more, I want to just spend a little bit of time with the Lord this morning. And I invite you up to the front if you want to. I just I just want to spend some time with the Lord. I'm not saying I've got a word for anybody or I've got a word for, for, for someone. I'm not asking you. I'm not asking for those that need prayer in their body. I'm just asking. If, I'm just putting it this way. If you're hungry for more of God, I want, I want you to just come and stand up here this morning. Let's just see what, let's just see what the Lord will do, okay? Let's just t- spend time in ministering to Him this morning. Forget about your food. You've you got a little bit to carry over for an hour. But I, want you, I, just, want you, I just want you to gather together up front. If, if you're hungry for more of the Lord, if there, there is some things that you're just not satisfied with your relationship with the Lord, Let me tell you something. There's more. God is offering you more than what you have right now. I can say that prophetically. God has more for you than what you have right now. If we will seek Him, the Bible says, we'll find Him. I don't know what it is that He may want to do. I I don't have to. I am totally dependent upon what God wants to do. This morning, I, I just sang that that first uh, that part there. I want to spend time. Uh, what's that first part? That I will just listen. Stay here for a little while until I look like the one I behold. 